Hey everyone, you are listening to the Self-Awareness Journey Podcast. This little banter is about a car ride long and features your hosts, JJ Parker and Melissa Albers. JJ owns a tech company and Melissa has been a coach working with influencers for the last 18 years. When I was 21 years old, I was excited because I got a credit card invitation in the mail. (laughs) And I didn't really know much about credit cards at 21. So I thought, what could go wrong? It was a Discover card. And at the time, you could go to a Sears store. I'm so dating myself. Watch yourself, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And you could take out cash from this Ah. credit card. Well, this sounds like a very magical like thing Com- for you as a <laughs> it's a good 20 year old <laughs> yeah yeah so i went to sears and i took out several thousand dollars i maxed mm. out the card actually and i took that cash and i went to florida with my best <laughs> friend and roommate karen <laughs> so this sounds like super good financial decisions <laughs> as a young adult exactly so why did you do that like did you not understand the mechanisms, like how credit cards worked. You just I, thought like, hey, this is cool. This thing, I, I show them this piece of plastic and cash yeah, goes yeah. in my pocket. Yes, and I can do whatever I want without <laughs> any consequence. So as we've always talked about maturing over the years, and I've done the best that I can with what I had to work with, um, I really got in a lot of credit trouble. Like mm. I had really bad credit for about two years or maybe even three or four years. I can't remember. Um, but being young, oh my gosh, I was not aware of the consequences of my behaviors. So that's not like a real great way to start out your <laughs> young adult life, right? No. Like being, you know, not really understanding how the world works, being saddled with a bunch of credit card debt and kind of getting off on the wrong foot. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we have a very special guest with us today Ta-da! to talk about that very, that very subject. Welcome, Ben Lamprod. In fact, he's our first guest. <laughs> yep. So Ben wrote a book called Jumpstart Your Future. Yes. Morning, JJ. Good morning, Melissa. Hi. Hi, hi. We are really excited, actually, to have some conversation about Ben's topic because um, we've been talking about having a guest on for a long time. And Ben just released his book. It was released on April, is it 6th? April 6th. April 6th. And um, there's so many good things to talk about in here. We just thought it'd be fun to have you on this morning and, and, and talk about some of the topics of this book. Yeah, I'm really thrilled to be here, Melissa. You know, the, uh, the book was written with young people in mind uh, through my career uh, and, and my personal life. Uh, I have a lot of impact and, and connection with young folks. And uh, they're just thirsty for knowledge. So I took the things I've learned in my career and, and put them in a book. And I'm really excited to share them. That's awesome. And I have read the book. And I've, I, I was saying, um, boy, this book would have been really helpful for me had I been 21 when you wrote this book. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, Ben, can you just give us like an overview? Like what generally what is, what is Jumpstart Your Future? What is yes. that about? Yeah, sure. So, so when I think about the book, JJ, um, I want to take what's kind of in my head and the lessons I've learned throughout my personal and professional life uh, and be able to help the folks that are graduating now uh, have that information and data today. 
so they don't have to learn through the school of hard knocks and, and learn over years. Uh, they can put those things into play uh, immediately. I cover uh, everything from personal finance, uh, relationship building, um, and talk a lot about career development. And, and I think those first few years of someone's career from, let's say, age 22 to age 30 are so critical in terms of building the base in those three areas. Um, I, I think being able to share those lessons now so they can use them when they're 22 and not find out when they're 30, I think is just a huge boost to their, uh, to their life. So Melissa shared one of her hard knock stories and you just alluded to maybe you have a few in the book. Do you want to share one with us? What, 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 what was one of the lessons you learned as a young person? Sure. Uh, this is kind of an interesting story, but one, one activity I did, JJ, uh, early in my life is I was a boxer. Uh, so through college, I followed in my father's footsteps. Uh, he was a uh, world-known trainer and a boxer himself. So I decided to give the sport a chance. And I, I was pretty successful. I trained hard. Uh, I won quite a few fights. Uh, but really what happened at the end of my career was really uh, tough for me today to even consider. Um, as I was sparring in one of my training sessions, uh, a kid beat me up pretty good and uh, I wasn't really ready for the night and uh, I took, took quite a few shots and, and literally in the middle of a round, I, I stopped fighting and I walked out of the ring uh, forever uh, in the middle of a round, in the middle of a training session, um, in the middle of a whole night of, of training. Hmm. And frankly, um, that's carried with me for years uh, in terms of one of life's lessons that you can't end things that way. My father didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve that. The sport didn't deserve it. And if I could go back and do that night one more time, I would finish the round. I would finish the night. And, um, you know, if that's the way I had to learn that lesson, well, I learned it. But you know what, JJ and Melissa, you have to finish what you start. You have to carry the ball to the end. And, uh, you know, I never let that happen again. So um, it was really a strong lesson for me in terms of my just my personal and my professional life. That's super interesting. Like uh, this idea that, you know, that you're that you as an adult are carrying with you. Um, yeah. I don't know, maybe you want to call that a, a regret or at least you're t carrying with you emotion that happened to you mm -hmm. a long time ago, right? So this idea that some of your choices as a young person might really affect you emotionally mm -hmm. for your entire life. Yeah, and what, what, I, what I was just thinking as you were talking, Ben, is I think at that age, there's so much emotion that we think is more immediate. You know, like we don't have the awareness to see how something can happen. And depending how we handle it in that moment, we don't have the awareness to understand that it will carry on for so much longer. And um, it's and it had such an impactful story because it can happen with something like a sport, like you're talking about. It can happen with a relationship. It can happen with your interaction with a teacher. I mean, it could just, there's so many places where that could happen. Yeah. And, and some, some of those moments that are just, they're, they're so short or so fleeting that, that you don't really, you don't realize the impact at the time. Mm -hmm. And as I got older and older, that, that really, really bothered me. And, and such the point where I'm still trying to make it right. Um, so I trained today and I'm trying, trying to make that, that memory, uh, uh, a better one. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, sometimes we're hardest on ourselves than anyone else's. Does anyone else in the gym that night remember that story? Probably not. Uh, but certainly it had an impact on me, uh, both good and bad. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think is, if you were to put that in a capsule, what would you say was your biggest thing that you learned from that experience and that 
because you've told that story in your book that you hope other people will take from that. Yeah. And in fact, JJ mentioned the word regret. I think the section of the book is called regrets. Uh, you know, you're going to have them. Um, there's no question that we're, we're going to do things in our lives that, that we wish we could do differently. Um, I think you have to turn that into a positive. And, and what I've tried to do, Melissa, throughout my life is there have been specific times where I've wanted to, to jump ship or stop or bail or whatever. And I just haven't. I plow through. I get to the end because uh, I don't want to have that happen again. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I learned from it. Um, and I think it's a real positive uh, mm-hmm. in my life. You know, if I could interject a little um, piece right here, I have had a lot of experience with um, coaching and with therapy and things like that over the years. And if there are people listening to this podcast that have had something happen to them in their lives in which it was a very impactful, quick something that happened and they've regretted that, one of the really cool things that you can do is um, what you what you call reframing, where you actually picture yourself in a, as an adult going to that person that you were at that age as though it's the two of you having a conversation or in that experience and being an adult and reframing what that person could do in that moment. It sounds crazy, but um, it's a super interesting way of um, being able to tell the story differently and what you would do differently as though you're coaching someone else and then be so happy and hug that young person and say that you understand. Um, that's a really impactful thing. I've seen that um, have really amazing impact on people. So if there are people listening that this is a great topic, this chapter of regrets is a really interesting topic. Thank you for talking about that. Um, ben, talk about some of the financial pieces, like how does being aware when you're younger how do you think that that can change people's focus as they look at finances? Sure, Melissa. I think that when uh, people are coming out of college uh, or out of high school into the work, workplace and they get that first big check, right? To, to them, it looks really, really significant. Uh, and it's really, really exciting. Uh, to some, they might say, well, this is more money I've ever thought I would ever have. Uh, some might feel like, wow, how am I going to make ends meet? Uh, either way, I think being self-aware of where you are in the moment uh, is, is critical because that determines how you allocate those funds. You know, really, where am I? What's my debt load? Uh, what does my investment strategy look like? Uh, what, where do I want to be in five, 10 years? Do I have a family? Really taking an honest inventory of where they are today and where they might want to be in the future. I think just being aware of that situation uh, gives you uh, authority and, and power uh, over, your, over yourself and over the situation. So I, I think in my book, I talk a lot about just kind of taking stock, uh, really being honest with myself of where I, where I am. How did I get here? Don't judge myself. I am where I am. And then really, really say, hey, it's a starting point today. It's the first day of the rest of my financial life. And I can take real clear, um, concise steps to make things better. So I think that's kind of the, the, the thing that folks have to do, um, get in a quiet room, do an honest assessment and really take stock. I think you have two on your website um, at benlampron.com. I think you have some tools, right? Like some easy spreadsheets or easy ways to take some inventory. Right, right, Melissa. I mean, I'm 48 now. I had to think about that. <laughs> young star. Uh, and, and, you know, ever, ever since I was young, I've used the exact same tools. So it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be any more um, complex from young to older. Uh, it's simple math. Money in minus money out uh, equals you know, surplus or deficit and what the case may be. Uh, so I really believe in just being honest with yourself and being really diligent day after day, week after week, month after month, uh, 
understanding where your dollars are going, understanding what you've done with them and what you can do in the future. Uh, having that sort of discipline is really the number one key uh, to financial health in, in my estimation. So Ben, I've got a question for you. So like this book, the book, right. And your desire to coach uh, young people and, and make some of these more like pragmatic uh, financial decisions and understand how their actions affect their future and everything. Um, my first thought is like, there's going to be like a, a, a part, a chunk of the young people who actually think in this way, right? Like they actually are a little bit like, okay, yeah, I got to probably figure, figure it out. Right. And they might seek a resource like your book, which has got tons of tips. in. my question to you is like, how are you reaching the the young people that aren't really that motivated or self-aware that they should be thinking about these things? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's two, well, there's many types of people, but if you want to split them between the folks that are immediately interested or not, uh, I really tried in the book to put some uh, anecdotes and personal life stories that share uh, how that might impact them. Uh, if you write a book with a bunch of you know equations or techniques or, or uh, um, approaches, it might be boring and might not want to catch their attention. But I really try to drive on real life experiences and, and how they impact those individual topics. You know, JJ, it, I kind of think of a couple of areas where I've really uh, seen this in action. Uh, through my life, I've been a coach in a lot of youth athletics and remain involved today with, with a few teams. Uh, so I have a lot of contact with some young folks there. And the mentoring I do at work, uh, there, there are folks right out of school uh, that I deal with on a daily basis. And I think I've really tried to connect with them on a personal level to understand what drives them, what's, mm -hmm. what's, what's their emotional currency, and try to relate these stories to them in a way that resonates with them. Everyone is different. Everyone's coming from a different set of backgrounds, from a different socioeconomic category. Uh, so I think one, one size does not fit all in terms of uh, sharing this knowledge. Yeah, when, sometimes when I even reflect back on my younger self, it, I didn't have that much self-awareness. I just felt like I was just like, I don't know, just making decisions and going without really Invincible. stopping and thinking much. Right. And, you know, for some people that works out accidentally, like I, you know, <laughs> uh, unthoughtfully started a company, you know, when I was 19 and here we are probably good that I was fairly self-aware cause I didn't know how stupid we were being. Um, but but others, it, it, it does cause some permanent, you know, life challenges, right? Mm -hmm. Well, J JJ, I think the, between the ages of 22 and 30, like to me, that is a, just a huge time of life. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, you know, kind of icebergs that people could hit and really set themselves back. But, but even if that's not the case, if they've just lived a normal, you know, non-eventful life until they're 30, that eight years financially and professionally in terms of career development, you can never get those back. And it just multiplies over the, the next decades. So yep. I think hitting the ground running right out of school or even beforehand, I mean, you should, my kids get these lessons all the time, but so that they're off to a good start, you know, kind of before they graduated, but uh, you know, being ready to go is, is a huge thing. So you don't waste those years because as you know, with money, career, uh, time is what matters. We should have an, a future podcast episode where we have like, you know, <laughs> your guys' kids on, and I just ask him, like, what's it like to be, like, the son or daughter of a coach? <laughs> well, JJ, most of, my, most of my share this as well. I mean, I, I, have three, I have three children, and they're all completely different. Uh, they've all taken to this book and the information in completely different ways. Um, so 
you know, it's kind of just a microcosm of society in general. Um, yeah. You know what I so, think? It, oh, oh I, go ahead. I, I, I got one other thing that I thought was really interesting oh, go to ahead. talk about. Go ahead. Okay. No, okay. Go. I'm just going to jump right in because I was kind of excited about it. So <laughs> uh, you state that uh, like an observation you've made of, of young people today, um, that they're more homogeneous than before. And I thought that was like a really interesting way. And what you're meaning by that is like they watch the same stuff. They follow the same people on social media. Uh, they talk the same and they're, they're becoming like clones of each other or something. They're all acting in a very similar way. And there's maybe fewer hmm. outliers to that uh, very mainstream hmm. thing. Can you talk more about that? Cause I thought that was really interesting. It's really kind of counterintuitive. You think about even in schools today that the, the amount of offerings they have in terms of classes and activities and clubs way more than when I was a student uh, and the access to information online. You guys know about that, but just a lot of data and fast, quick, easy. So you think that that would give you a bunch of different types of perspectives. But what I'm seeing is that because everyone is so connected mm -hmm. and everyone is literally can talk to anybody in the world at any one time, you don't even have regional differences anymore. People coming from Texas or California or Maine that used to have their own even dialects, frankly, that, that's kind of going away. And I feel like every time uh, we meet new folks, their resumes look the same. Their, their, their presentation of their background is the same. Their experiences almost sound the same. So I feel like that uh, people coming out of college need to find a way to break away from that because the homogenous nature of their story is, is very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, I think they're, they're being impacted by, like you said, JJ, the same social media channels, the same folks, the same influencers. It, it's, it's a phenomenon that I probably recognized six months ago. And I keep testing it. And it certainly seems to be a thing uh, in 2021. What I think is fascinating about your perspective here is the world is not talking like that. The world is trying to microcosm groups and more and more into subcategories. Diversity and inclusion is a huge thing right now. And yet your idea is interesting because what you're not saying that these groups are not diverse. What you're saying is they're, they think the same way. So they may have different, they may have different focuses or they may have different idols or they may have different things like that, but that they're all operating in this group think mentality. And I find that a very fascinating thing to be thinking about. That's a different, yeah, there's, the thing is, it's in one way, when we think of diversity, a, like a lot of times we're putting like a, mm -hmm. a, a, almost like physical or superficial like label on it. It's like, where are you from? Maybe like, what color is your skin? Like that kind of stuff. But we're not talking about like diversity in like diversity of thought, right? Mm -hmm. Diversity of ways of looking at the world even, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what you're saying, Ben, is like, hey, the, the, the way people are thinking is becoming very similar to each other. So there's actually less diversity in thinking. Well, you know, JJ, here's a small example. Uh, think about when we were back in school, I would go to the local library in my hometown, pick up an encyclopedia and research topics, <laughs> right? It's, it's an old school thought. Uh, but because I did that in my town, in my, in my bookshelf, just the, the data I was getting was different. The way it was presented to me was different. And the, the librarian or my, or my teacher, they were coming from a different background. Today, literally everyone's going to Wikipedia or whatever, the www.whatever, uh, and they're getting the same information from the same source. 
it, it's it's really making everything the same, very vanilla. Uh, and when yeah. folks are and how are folks expressing themselves? You know, we had to like communicate, make telephone calls, and those sorts of things. <laughs> Today it's a uh, it's a 120 character tweet or something on Facebook, whatever. And even look at the words people are using online to communicate. Those are all the same. So I, I just I think it's very very interesting that. Um, we're getting a lot of similarities in our candidates and a lot of the thought processes of the people I meet are very, very similar. So I think it's in some ways uh, a challenge, but in other ways it really allows folks who can differentiate themselves and, and bring a different uh, thought process to the table to really set themselves apart. So, I, you know, there's good and bad here. Yeah. From, from a self-awareness perspective, I think that's really interesting because there is like a uh, human uh, need to fit in and be part of yeah. the tribe, right? Yes. Yeah. Now that that certainly worked great from like a survival perspective living in the woods, right? <laughs> but when with all of the connection, when our tribe basically becomes like the entire planet, that starts to make less sense, right? right. <laughs> as yeah. as a social interaction and uh and and things. So I uh, it does take like uh, self-awareness and and certainly recognizing it and then developing a confidence to say, you know what, I'm not going to be like the tribe. I'm going to be different. I'm going to explore things that are different um, because I know that long term it's probably better for me. Right. But when you're a young person and you're like day to day, just trying to get your needs met, it's probably very easy to just slip it's into the tribe. Yeah, and I think, JJ, one thing from this is kind of a side topic. When you think about professional development of kids coming out of high school, uh, I even think the high school's approaches are very uh, similar and there's like kind of one recipe. You got to go to a four-year school. You got to like, go yeah. get a professional life yeah. uh, where there's tons of opportunity for trade schools, for, for manufacturing jobs right out of high school. Now, yeah. not, not everything fits every kid, and I think our schools could do a better job with that. Uh, so you, when you're drilled your whole life that you got to get a great SAT score, you got to go to a four-year yeah. college, mm -hmm. you, you, you kind of start thinking the same way. And I don't think that's fair to our kids. I mean, I think no. it's setting them up for, for failure. I've, I've always been really curious about this. I wanted to know your perspective on it is that, uh, I've been observing some of my friends who've got kids that, that are in high school Not you know, my kids are starting to get to high school and it seems like, um, there's more like the timeline for like picking what college you're going to and mm -hmm. thus kind of like picking what career path you want yeah. is, is the younger and younger, right? Starts in ninth grade now. That's crazy. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. My or oldest son is a ninth that. grader. I better, he, mm -hmm. I better go tell him he better figure it out. <laughs> but I, I like, I literally didn't know what college I was going to until like, I don't know, my last three weeks of my senior career. Now, like I'm not, a good student in that way or something like maybe that was like that's right bad but i've always been like how can you expect a 16 or 17 year old to pick what their whole career might be yeah at, at that age they have such a narrow yeah. worldview right Do you know what i i want to i want to interject in this because i am so with you on this my husband is a biology professor at a college when he was 16 years old the guidance counselor at his high school told him, you're not very smart. You should go to a trade <laughs> school. That's what he said. You're not very smart. I don't, I'm not laughing. That's just such a ridiculous <laughs> thing to say. Exactly right. Exactly right. There's so many things wrong with that statement. It makes trade schools seem bad. It makes it sound like it's a, it's a secondary thing. And trade schools 
actually can produce some of the highest paid people in America today, you know, and people that are creative and interesting. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I'm, I'm so with you on that. I'm so with you on that. The other thing I think that it does is it discourages children from exploring their own creativity. It, Mm -hmm. it, It discourages children, um, to, to feel confident and feel supported by the system, air quotes, um, to be something other than this little targeted thing that high schools are trying to prove themselves by sending people to. Yeah. Now, you know, Melissa, one thing I didn't write about in the book, I had to cut it off somewhere, but I, I wanted to put a whole chapter around searching for colleges. You think about the economic disaster that a lot of kids end up with when they go to a $70,000 a year school to study some degree that doesn't really get them a good job at the end. Um, That's a huge, huge mistake. And and I think that if you don't know what you're going to do in your career, going to a two-year community college to figure it out or going to a trade school are absolutely viable options, uh, not only uh, economically, but just kind of emotionally. Uh, And I think, you know, kids and parents being self-aware to help talk about where my student is um, in their life is just a huge, huge thing. And I think guidance counselors in high schools can do a better job there too. I mean, let, let's take each kid's individual passions yeah. and where they are and what can they afford and put them on a spot where they can succeed. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the parents. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> well, I feel anxious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now nah, your kids are, you know, they're, this is, this is for me. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, when we're talking about you know, actually, I'm I'm kind of making an assumption, but like a lot of our listeners are probably more on the like I have kids this age instead of I am a kid um, graduating high school. Um, if you're a high school kid listening to our podcast, hit us up on Facebook. We'd love to know. <laughs> uh, but True. this idea that like okay, we've got like we want the best for our kids, right? We want them to be successful adults. We want to help them transition through these uh, periods of their life, but. And as an adult, though, or as a parent, I might have like a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry. Like, are they making the right choices? We're making a big investment in college. Like, what advice do you actually have as a parent to to really recognize like that anxiety and those feelings that might be coming up and how you might be not intentionally, but like applying some of that to these young, young adults? Yeah, JJ, the lesson I learned, and this was really late, actually. I probably didn't realize this until my oldest kid was a sophomore in high school or so. Uh, but I have three of them, three children, and they're all going to find their own path. Uh, you know, I had this dream that they would all be, you know, high school basketball stars and, you know, captain <laughs> of, the, of the whatever in this and uh, they, like basically living my life. Right. And, and that's that's not the way things go. Uh, now, they enjoyed basketball. I enjoyed coaching them. But, you know, my, my oldest found their way in politics. Uh, my middle son is really into cars and, you know, my youngest daughter is in dance. I didn't, I couldn't predict any of those things, but they've all enjoyed success in their own way. And I think we as pres- as parents have to take the pressure off ourselves that they're going to be X, Y, or Z. Just let them develop, let them find their own way to their own human beings. And, and the other thing that I read this in a book somewhere. And once I started uh, using it really, really mattered, you just have to listen. Mm-hmm. All the kids want is for you to be in the room with them and be aware and have your antenna up because they might just want you to sit there with them. They might just want you to hear what they're talking about their day. They might ignore you for a week, but boy, when they start talking, you just as a parent have to be there for them. Yeah. And that's the biggest gift we can give our kids 
it isn't about getting them into the right school or getting to be the captain of the basketball team. Uh, it's about being there as their social backstop uh, and being uh, their mentor in that way. And, and once I figured that out, uh, it felt a lot better to me as a parent. And I think I was able to connect to my kids in a, in a much stronger way. Well, That's I would, great I would, advice. It is. It's absolutely fantastic. I'd also like to plus one what you just said, Ben. When my children were in high school and I was having a lot of anxiety about the stuff that was going on for them in school, there was, you know, there were a lot of, there were drug opportunities, there were the popularity issues, all of these things. And I had a very good girlfriend of mine who was a few years ahead of me in the parenting experience. And she said something to me that I've never forgotten. She said, by the time your kids are early teens, your parenting is over. You've already taught them everything they're going to learn from you. What your job now is, is to stay consistent and be there. And I was really shocked by that. And what I have learned is not only was she right, but by the time they're 15 or 16 years old, they stop listening to you for social cues and personal cues. So you've given them this base, whatever it is. And now when they're choosing decisions, they are using their peer group. They're using their peer group mm -hmm. and their base to make choices every single day. Not your, inf you know, your influence um, changing their thoughts isn't happening much anymore by that time. And, That's and interesting. It, yeah. And I, um, that has helped me many, many times because when my kids start to do something, even today as early 20-somethings, if they start to do something, I find myself like kind of wanting to jump into that parenting seat and I can feel in my body that awareness kicking over like, oh, they're just, I just want to, you know, <laughs> stop that. And, um, and I, I try to every single time stop myself and just, okay, yep. Okay. Well, you know, ask a couple questions, but they're going to make the choices that they are going to make, you know, yeah, and Marissa, not feeling overly responsible. My, my, my parents used to always tell me this kind of analogy that, um, uh, they, they, you, your parents are supposed to give your kids roots and eventually they take off with their own wings. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. uh, and I think parenting even over the past 20 years has become more invasive. And frankly, I mean, my, my parents, I mean, when I was 14, 15, I was kind of on my own. Uh, they let me go yeah. to school and let me do my own thing. They weren't hovering over me. Right. Uh, they weren't posting on Facebook every single time I got an <laughs> A on a test. Right. So, so, so I, I think I'm, I'm just as guilty of celebrating my kids as anybody. But, but I think that we need to take a kind of step back and let our kids blossom on their own. I think that's a, a lesson I learned along the way. Yeah. Well, this has been super fun conversation. We're like, we're pretty much out of time. Like <laughs> that was about the fastest feeling podcast we've done. I have to ask one closing oh. <laughs> question. I have to ask one closing. One more thing. One closing question. Ben, as you've written this book and you have hoped to offer guidance and support to young people as they're starting in the world and offering them some self-awareness tips and how to understand creating their own value, how do you think that that value helps the world? in your own perspective? What's the bridge? What's the point of them doing this stuff as it relates to their, their adult life? You know, Melissa, it took me till age 40 or so uh, to get to the point where I provided that value. That um, was very self-centered, uh, you know, trying to develop myself, find my way, uh, create the future for myself. And I didn't really have all the tools. I had to kind of figure it out along the way. I think we're all intrinsically uh, valuable. We want to be valuable. We want to have impact on folks, but we're so busy with our noisy heads and our busy schedules to allow that 
human nature to come out. I think that the things in this book, if you can kind of formulate a plan, get yourself to a stable place earlier than 40, let's say 30 or, or 25, the, the qu- more quickly you can become that, um, that person in the world, that light for others to look up to. Uh, it really isn't about you. Um, and, and really you can stop being so focused on yourself, so self-centered and say, you know what, I have a lot to offer and I'm now stable enough. I can do that. So to me, it's all about time, Melissa. The, the quicker we can get to a place where we're comfortable and stable as adults, um, the, the earlier we can be a mentor to, to others, including young folks. So I think that's kind of the bridge. That's great. So the book is Jumpstart Your Future. You are Ben Lamprom, L-A-M-P-R-O-M dot com. Nope, L-A-M-P-R-O-N. <laughs> L-A-M-P-R-O-N. Ben, where can right. they find your book? Where can they find your book? <laughs> On Amazon. Yeah, you can find my book on Amazon. Uh, if you want to contact me or, or send me an email, you can reach me through my website, benlampron.com. Uh, there's a lot of information on the website. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. Yeah, JJ, Melissa, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. Our mission is to help people become happier and more effective by gaining insight into their own thoughts and feelings. We'd love your support. First, Share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Second, leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast site. This helps others discover the podcast so we can reach more people. And third, sign up for our newsletter at theselfawarenessjourney.com. This will help us communicate better with you and build our community. Thank you so much for joining us in the self-awareness journey. We'll see you next week.